0: Matthew 6:19. We're going to do 15 verses today. <laughs> All right, here we go. Matthew 6:19 through 34. We're going to have a long talk today about your stuff. Yeah, your money. My money. Okay? Matthew 6:19 through 34 today. So weird economic times, aren't they, right? So we've now had two quarters in a row of GDP contraction, but hiring is really great in some places. Inflation is really weird, high. The coffee that I used to buy is $6 higher than it was this time last year. Same coffee, same size, $6. And I'm talking about Dunkin' Donuts, okay? that's people are spending money but that's partly because of inflation like it's just weird right it's just weird and one of the results of this weird climate is that we don't quite know what to do with like it it paralyzes you when it comes to like what to do with your resources like so if you've got cash savings or if that's 50,000 or 550 like it doesn't doesn't really matter like where do you put that right so I, I had a um the, the the people where all of our, it's like Merrill Lynch or Merrill Edge or something like that, you know, the Bank of America group or whatever that has all of our, has our savings, sent me an email like, and he was like, hey, if you've got some idle cash, um, I've got a great savings account where you can earn 1.17%. And I'm like, dude, you probably ought to update this email. Um, like, that's not great, you know, because it's losing 9% right now in inflation. Anyway, it just, it's, it's weird. Now, so if you figure it out, I'm accepting recommendations. All right. So if you've got an idea, I'm I'm willing to hear it. I'm considering all opinions. Behind the question of what to do with our with our financial resources in this environment is a is a deeper question. Or maybe it's better to say this opportunity that we're this thing that we're in economically is an opportunity to ask a deeper question, and it's timely coming from this text today, which is this what should my attitude and my actions be to my possessions, regardless of the environment, or the economic environment. What, sh- what kind of, if anything, a, um, circumstances like this will expose what your attitude and actions are to your stuff, okay? So it's, this is a perfect tax. It's great, it's great timing. We all, need to, we all need to wrestle this. Because money and possessions are an ever-present reality, or sometimes not enough present, sometimes too much present. But it's a topic that you're going to take all the way to your grave, okay? But it stops there. But in the meantime, here's the question we want to answer today. What should our attitude and actions be toward our possessions as citizens of the kingdom of God? Okay, That's that's the question we're going to ask, ask today, and then we're going to answer it. Because Jesus gets super practical, I love it, okay? Number one, the first thing that we need to do is understand the very temporary nature of what we're talking about. Your bank account, your house, your apartment, your possessions, all of that is temporary. It is temporary. Look at verses 19 through 20. Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And Here's the part that I want to emphasize first where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal, okay? So when it comes to stuff, okay, when it comes to your possessions, there are a lot of filters that we use to determine the value of that stuff, okay? So for example, Trey is is going off to to college and one of the requirements of being a student uh, at at, at Sanford is that he have a suit, okay? A suit, a really nice, he has, to have a, he has to have a suit, all right? So whether that's a semi-formal event, y'all remember all this stuff if you got to go to college? Uh, you know, giving a business presentation, he's gotta have a suit on, he's gotta have a suit, okay? Now, I've been down this road before with myself and with him, so it wasn't like a super slow or laborious process finding a suit. In fact, it was, here's one that's on clearance at Joseph Bank on my phone, let's buy it and hope it fits, okay? But, the, but we did consider a few things, right? Like it needed to be wool. It had to be kind of nice looking, but it didn't need to be shark skin. That's not really Trey's personality, right? It needed to be dark, dark gray, dark blue or black, not, you know, and it needed to be solid. It couldn't be a pattern or a plaid or a stripe or something like that. It needed to be slim fit for obvious reasons. It needed to be, you know, under a certain price point, like so it's not Italian, um, but it also needs to last, you know, a few years, like it needs to have enough quality and style. Like, so there's these, these criteria, right? But it's that last one, right? It needed to last, right? At least a certain number of years, it needs to last. That one was important because I don't want to do this again next year. It was 200 bucks plus the, uh, what do you call it? Alteration, okay? Which sounds like a really good price for a great suit, right? right? I just bought our third dishwasher in the last five years. I hate buying stuff like that over and over and over again. Like what kind of dishwashers are we buying? I thought they were pretty good actually when I bought it. They're not built to last. Our disposal went out on our house. It, that one had lasted forever. He's like, I'm going to tell you, this one lasted like 15 years. He's like, now it's rusted through. I'm going to put a good one in. It might last five. Like, That's the way things are made, he said, to last. Okay. You want things to last. But the, the, but the problem is, even the things that really last, Jesus says in verse 19, don't last. So the, the biggest financial decision you make, the biggest decision you make out your possessions, they, I get it, they are, it's real, it's weighty, you want to be wise, we're going to talk about all that in a little bit. But we first have to understand that moths eat through it, rust, that they decay, that they don't last, they are temporary. Not just because you don't last that long, but because stuff just isn't going to last. Okay, you understand? just sit in that for a second. Sit in the fact that this, your possessions, your bank accounts, they're not, it's not forever. It's not. And what's really awesome is that you're made to think about forever. You're made to consume yourself with forever. That's the way God designed you. So sit in the fact that all the stuff that you're worrying about in the earth right now, it's just not forever. It's not forever, okay? And because it's not forever, here's what we do. Number two, do not treasure earthly treasures. Don't treasure them. Even the things that are built to last, don't last. So Jesus says in 19, don't invest in them to the degree that you think they are going to last forever. That's what store up and lay up means in 19. It means, do not treasure your treasure. That's a literal interpretation of the verse, okay? So in Jesus's day, and in this immediate context, there, there are two things that you need to remember when it comes to interpreting this, these verses. First. Jesus is talking to people whose audience was really poor. I mean, really poor. They lived hand-to-mouth every day. Okay? Dave Ramsey's advice would fall on deaf ears in this culture. Living off 70% of your earnings, giving and saving the rest, a total joke in Jesus' audience. Okay? There's no context for any of that, right? And the other thing to keep in mind is that wealth in Jesus' day was in textiles and precious metals. So people really did, it was a commodities economy. Okay? So people really did stress about moths eating their way through their textiles, through their fabrics. This was a real problem. Inflation was not a problem. Moths were a problem, okay? And the Palestinian climate, which might include, uh, you know, the human- to, to bring rust to certain kinds of metals, not necessarily precious metals, they would decay in, in different ways. So we don't want to be too literal with the, the thing that Jesus is, is pointing out. And in fact, some, some Greek scholars like, say that word doesn't even mean rust. It's, there's a specific word for rust. This is not it. It's like that word. It means decay. It means, it means collapse. It means fade away. So when it came to the storage and the saving of all these items, people would literally dig a hole in the ground of their living room and put their cloth and their precious metals inside of a strong box and they'd bury it in the ground in their floor. Or they would dig out of the clay walls and put it in there and then like patch it up, okay? It's like putting a safe in the wall and putting a picture over it. Okay, That's what they would do, right? So that would, that would protect it from insects, that would protect it from the climate, and it also protect it from thieves. Although thieves knew that this was the common practice, so they would go in there. And at the opportune time, they'd dig through the house. In fact, where it says in verse 6, uh, chapter 19, where it says in verse 19, where thieves break in and steal, the, the word literally means dig through. <laughs> they dig, okay, to get these things, okay? So when you're going to such an effort in Jesus' time to protect these things so that they last, and you do have to go through some effort, the temptation is to treasure these treasures. Look at the great lengths they have to go to to even get these things. Look at the great lengths they have to do to protect these things. Look how easily they can be taken from me. Oh my goodness, I have got to treasure these treasures. You see how it works in the heart, right? So how can you know if you yourself are treasuring your treasures in such a way that Jesus is teaching against in this passage. Okay? Well, I want to get, spread some gracious liberty your way because I think the Bible does this as a whole. And at the same time, I, I want to keep the, the pressure on because we, I don't think the temptation for us is, is to live in a wartime mentality. I think the temptation is to try and get as wealthy as we possibly can. So how can you know if you're treasuring your treasures? Well, number one, this is something that only you and God can decide under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, okay? But if you, if you work your way through the Bible with regard to possessions, here are one, two, three, four things that I want to share with you. Number one, Jesus is not encouraging voluntary poverty. It's not what he's doing. Jesus is not advocating in this passage for the complete removal of every treasure on earth, okay? So if you think that you might be disobedient because you're not broke or forlorn or giving away everything you have and living paycheck to paycheck, that is not the case, okay? Jesus is not teaching asceticism. The Amish are not your standard, okay? Remember Weird Al Yankovic, Amish paradise? Hitching up the buggy, turning lots of butter. Raising up the barn on Monday, soon I'll raise another. Okay, right. And here's the line. Think you're really righteous? Think you're pure in heart? Well, I know I'm a million times as humble as thou art. I'm the pious guy that little amulets want to be like on my knees day and night scoring points for the afterlife. It's so great. I know, Luke is singing in his head now. We're going to start singing it on the way home. Jesus is not encouraging that. Okay? They, are not your, they are not the standard. That's not what's going on here in this text. Number two, if you are providing and planning financially, trying to be wise and grow, you are not being faithless. Okay? Saving and investing and budgeting and all those kinds of things are not demonstrations of a lack of faith. Responsible stewardship is a glorious thing. It's a biblical thing. God wants us to use our common sense. He wants us to provide our future needs. So you're not being disobedient to Jesus in this passage if you care about planning and investing or if you're a certified financial planner. Okay? Number 3. You are not treasuring your treasures by wanting to run a profitable business. Okay? We're a nonprofit as an organization and a church. We are trying to live within their means. Okay? That is, and some of that involves saving and 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 planning. And, and if you're running a business, Lifeway is a nonprofit that I work for, funded by a business model. If it's not profitable, it doesn't exist. It can't give money to missions. So we we have to be profitable. That's not contrary to Jesus in this passage. We're actually going to see Jesus in Matthew 25 commend these wise business and banking practices in the parable of the talents, right? So profit in any system is a good business. It's good business sense, and it should be earned and used for the glory of God, okay? And sometimes that's giving, sometimes that's reinvestment, and so on, okay? So if you're, if you're profitable, you're not living contrary to this, this That doesn't mean just because you're profitable doesn't mean you're treasuring your treasures, okay? If you are wealthy, I'm available for lunch, okay? And that is not a sign that you have treasured your treasures. If you've got a bunch of treasure... That doesn't mean that you have treasured your treasures. It doesn't mean that you are. Okay? You can be really poor, as most of Jesus' audience was, and treasure your treasures, which apparently they were. You can be really rich, as very few of us are, and somewhere in between, and most of us are, and you can be guilty of treasuring your treasures. Abraham was loaded and he was a friend of God. Job was blessed with double the prosperity that he lost as a gift of God. When Zacchaeus was converted, he gave away how much? Uh, no, nope. Half, that's right, half. Promising to repay four times the amount that he had cheated, which means he had plenty left over. Okay. But he wasn't treasuring his treasures. Joseph of Arimathea was a disciple of Jesus, Matthew 27. God allowed him to keep his wealth so he could provide service to the Lord Jesus. So how little or how much we have is not a sign that you're treasuring your treasures. None of those things are necessarily a sign that you're treasuring your treasures. It's a heart issue. And that will manifest itself in all kinds of tangible ways, but those tangible ways may or not be pointing to the heart issue. so jesus says do not treasure your earthly treasures i don't know what that looks like for you but you and the lord and the conviction of the holy spirit can know the difference okay so jesus offers us not just a corrective but he but he says so therefore do this with that with that longing do this with that um, that desire and that's verse 20. store up for yourselves treasures in heaven so it's not just don't treasure your earthly treasures. It's do treasure heavenly treasures in verse 20. Okay. Now, I've studied a lot for this, this this week. It's been a difficult passage. And spiritual treasure here is the most broadly defined thing. I mean, it, 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 I just wanted to say it super, super broadly. It's everything that you can take with you into heaven. Treasure that. Put your desire to treasure something to spiritual treasures, which is everything you can take with you into heaven. That's your character, right? That's your obedience, it's your discipleship, it's your evangelism, and and so on, right? So it certainly means that. But in context, more specifically, talking about possessions, talking about stuff, Jesus intends to equate spiritual treasure with the compassionate use of our earthly treasures to meet spiritual and heavenly needs, okay? Okay? So he's saying, he's affirming the desire and the need to give in this world like there's an eternal world. And give in such a way that shows that that's our value. Okay, That's what it means to treasure our heavenly treasures. So here's where we are, right? It's temporary. It's temporary stuff. And because it's temporary, don't treasure it like it's not. Treasure that which is eternal. That's 19 through 20 right there so those those are our three things number four understand the nature of your heart toward possessions this may not make sense to you the idea the, the idea of prioritizing spiritual treasures heavenly treasures over earthly treasures that may not make a lot of sense because you say you can say well I mean, I get it, Rob, that they are they are temporary. But why should that necessarily lead to treasuring spiritual treasures more than earthly treasure? Just because those are temporary doesn't necessarily, does, doesn't necessarily mean that I should treasure things that aren't? And I and I have and Jesus has two answers for us there. Number one, you were a kingdom citizen, not an earthly citizen. I'll say it more strongly. Your passport belongs to heaven, not to the United States government, okay? You have to remember that to be a Christian, first and foremost, is to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, okay? We are wayfaring our way through this world. We are wayfaring our way through the United States. We are wayfaring our way through this really tiny window of time in the grand scheme of eternity. And because we're traveling, because we're wayfaring, we are traveling light. Okay? Now, I know some of you are more high maintenance than others. Been here long enough to figure some of that out, right? You high maintenance people, you, you go to a restaurant and you ask for every conceivable exception on your dish. Okay, can you substitute this for that? And can you, is there a way that you could, you are Sally when Harry met Sally, okay? And so on. And when it comes to packing for a vacation, you might need just about everything in your closet or drawer. So you take it all with you and you are driving your other partner absolutely crazy. Who's got a pair of underwear, a pair of shorts, a pair of jeans and two shirts and a toothbrush. And that's it, right? Here's the thing. When it comes to being a citizen of the kingdom of God, we are all high-maintenance. Okay? We all have high-maintenance hearts. None of us really want to travel light. We don't want to prioritize our kingdom citizenship over our earthly one. And it's, it's hard. Right? And that's what Jesus is getting at. Look at verse 21. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Okay? We are citizens of the kingdom of God first and foremost. We've got to serve that, which then makes us treasure heavenly treasures over earthly treasures. But the other thing is, The second reason that we have to do this is because our hearts want to make them permanent. Our hearts want to make earthly treasures spiritual treasures. We want to make earthly possessions heavenly possessions. Um, Even though they are temporary, our heart makes to make them permanent, right? We want to put more weight into earthly possessions with our identity then our possessions are made to handle, okay? Um, so we, when, when COVID hit, we began just quite naturally following Holly's lead to uh, rejuvenate our backyard, which as we are now experiencing all the fruit of that labor three years later, it really needed it, right? It really needed it. And um, so we raked out all the chickweed and removed the weeds. And it would just. Start. And one of the things that we did is because apparently when COVID, it was like, we may never leave this place, right? Like, do we buy freeze-dried food yet? Like, it was that kind of mentality a little bit. And we put some, some posts out um, near the creek in the back of the house. And we put um, ham- a hammock there. Now, we didn't buy like a, a big cloth, a roped hammock or even one of those. We bought the, the, the $20 hammock uh, Wise Owl thing that you can just fold up and take with you anywhere that you go. Right, was it was e- Eno, e- e- Eno, is that the, the name brands, know e- We didn't, We went to the Amazon brand and got the Wise Owl, okay. Um, you know. So, it uh, was so comfortable. So it just hangs out there, and it's waterproof, dirtproof, whatever. You can just fold it up, take it away. You can put it anywhere with you. I have friends that carry them everywhere they go because they can do their work at parks because they don't have lives and um, or children or relationships or burdens. I don't know what they have, but they're, they're they're literally like in heaven every day. It's how nice to be Gen Z. But um, so, they, but they do this. So the, so the, the kid we're lounging, we use it for a little while, and then it turned not into a hammock but into a swing, right? So then I've got four children under the age of seven swinging on it at the same time. And guess what happened? It just ripped right down the middle and and broke. And I've got injured, semi-injured children on the ground, right? Because they were putting more weight into the hammock than it was designed to handle and using it in a way that it wasn't designed to be handled. Folks, this is what we do with our earthly treasures. We put more weight on them than they're designed to handle by worshiping them. By idolizing them, by treasuring them. Okay? Now here's the tricky thing. You can obsess that this, this this idolatry of stuff manifests itself in two ways. You can see this in the text. Verses 19 through 21, the the worship of our stuff manifests itself in the form of accumulation. Do not store up for yourselves. But the other way that the worship, the idolization of possessions manifests itself is we worry about them. We worry about them. That's what Jesus is getting at in verses 25 through 34. I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and body, more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment of his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor, spin, thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. And if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying what we will eat or what we will drink or what we will wear. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all those things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So erase in your Bible. Just scratch out the, the separation between verses 24 and 25. It's not there. Your publisher goofed that up. Okay? The idolatry of earthly treasures doesn't just manifest itself in accumulation. It manifests itself in the form of worry. To be a worrier is to idolize the very thing that you are worrying about. Okay? It's to make a hammock. It's to make that thing a hammock that cannot hold the weight or the stress that you are placing on it. Which is why in these verses Jesus talks about God. He's replacing the idol of possessions with the God who can handle the weight. Doesn't God care for more you more than He does animals? Doesn't God care more for you than plants? Doesn't God determine your first and last breath? Doesn't God know what you need? Oh, you, did you see that in verse 30 of little faith? Little faith isn't about volume of faith. It's not like a little bit of gas in your gas can versus a lot of gas in your gas can. That's not what it means. It's about the object of faith. Little faith is about the object of the faith, to put your faith in earthly treasures, faith that manifests itself as accumulation or worry. That's little faith because earthly treasures are little. They're terrible gods. They're little gods. They're weak gods that can't handle the weight that you are putting on them. And so you will either store them up if you put the weight there, or you will worry about whether or not you're ever going to have enough. It's idolatry. It's worship. And so God, Jesus says... You have little faith because you're putting it in the wrong place. You need to put it where God is, the character of God. So, which leads us to our last thing, and this is the application of the sermon today verses 33 through 34. We need to prioritize our hearts to have a healthy relationship with our possessions. What do you do if you're worshiping possessions? What if you do if you're treasuring earthly possessions, and that's manifesting itself either in I gotta save up, I gotta save up, or I wonder if we got enough. I wonder if we got enough. I gotta wonder if we got enough. I gotta keep you know, the worry. It's always in your head. You know, you're worshiping it if you're worrying it. What do you do? Verse thirty three. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things, possessions, will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We have to put God back on the throne, and we have to fight to keep Him there. And if we do that, we'll have a really healthy relationship with our earthly possessions. The way for us to attend to our earthly possessions is is to prioritize our values so that nothing in this world replaces God as our master and provider. That's what verse 33 and 34 are getting at, right? So think so this way. If the if our base of security is in earthly possessions, then no matter how much concern we have, we will never be able to satisfy our needs, okay? But if we place our security in God, He will naturally take care of all of our needs. Okay, And if you will keep God on the throne and not possessions, what you'll come to find is that earthly possessions do have healthy purposes in the kingdom of God. These possessions are here to help us give appropriate care for our family and prevent them from becoming a burden, from us from becoming burdens on others. You can see this all through the book of Acts and Paul's letters. You, you, will, you will see that the earthly possessions are here not just to provide for yourself, but for you to help people who don't have them and need them. You know, they need them. Okay. And, there, and the, the earthly possessions here can encourage and support God's work in spreading the gospel. To bringing the kingdom of God's reality to bear in the kingdom of this world. That's why you have them. Okay. So if we, if we put Jesus at the center of our lives to serve and love Him with all that we are and all that we have, we will appropriately use all of the earthly possessions of this life and not idolize the possessions of this world. Does that make sense? And we won't be obsessed with accumulation And we won't be worried about it because we'll be worshiping God, not the stuff. Not the stuff. Let's pray. So, Father, help us. We need you on the throne. That's what we do. We need you on the throne. Our Father in heaven, make your name great. And then, I mean, right after the Lord's Prayer, right after, you start talking about our stuff. Because if we're being honest, oftentimes our prayers would be our stuff that I need to live. I need you to be great. And I'm worried that you're not great. And I'm saving and accumulating and accumulating and accumulating because I'm concerned about it. Not, because not, I'm worshiping you. Like, that's... That's what we do. So it's a heart issue, Lord. And we ask for you to, uh, to, to show us our hearts when it comes to stuff. It's not about a number. It's not about investing. It's not about that. It's about the heart. So show us our hearts. Break us to contrition. Bring us to a place where only you and you alone are on the throne. And then satisfy us with yourself with your righteousness. Help us to seek that first, and then experience the blessing of you just taking care of us. And you may want to give us you may want to give us 3,000 dollars in savings and lead us to a life of faith. And you may want to give us $30 million in savings and lead us to a life of faith. None of that matters because only you will satisfy. And whatever you give us, may we use it to the glory of your name in this world to provide for the needs of others and bring the kingdom of God to bear on this, in this place, through this church, and through our lives. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.